Howdy and welcome to the 10-week Bible study. This is week 10, day 4 of our study of Acts. I'm your host, Darren Hibbs, and today we're talking about Acts 28, 1-16. Well, welcome back to the 10-week Bible study. Again, I'm your host, Darren Hibbs. Would you join me as we pray before we start today? Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear what your word has to say to us. God, speak to us and fill our hearts with the knowledge of you today. We want to encounter you in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. With that, let's jump into God's word. We're reading today from the NIV. This is Acts 28, starting in verse 1. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper, driven out by the heat, fastened itself to its hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off and into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead, but after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. How fickle, right? Um, <clears throat> Jesus told us that, you know, we would handle snakes, like snakes would not hurt us, poison would not hurt us, like he would protect us in certain situations. He didn't say that would always happen, but he said, you know, I'm, I'm giving you the ability to live in this supernatural way. And some people have said, you know, that, well, this obviously wasn't a viper, it wasn't a poisonous snake. And the people there were too ignorant to know that they didn't know, you know, they don't, they didn't know a difference between a poisonous snake and a non-poisonous snake. And, and I find that just, just patently absurd. I've, I've read that in, 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 uh, commentaries by people that they said, well, these people didn't know that it was a, a viper that they, you know, they didn't know it was a, a, a non-venomous snake because they didn't know that kind of stuff. And that's just, that's absolutely absurd. That's, that's, they knew, <laughs> they, of course they knew this, right? They've had friends who've been bitten by poisonous snakes and died and, and suffered greatly. And they've been, had friends have been bitten by non-venomous snakes and are fine. They know the difference between them. And in fact, a, a viper, a pit viper has a very distinct head, right? It, like this is not something new that just somehow 20th century people have figured out or academics have figured out in the 20th century. People have known this for a very long time. They're not confused. They're not ignorant. This was a viper. This was a, a, a pit viper or a viper of some kind. They knew exactly what it was. They knew that it was venomous. And it's like grabs on a Paul's hand, latches on, is pumping him full of venom. And he shakes the thing off, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, he's he's under the, the goddess justice's uh, watch. And he's she's not going to let him live. And then as soon as they realize he's fine, they're thinking he's a god. They think, you know, they're like maybe ready to sacrifice him. And how many times has this happened to Paul through the book of Acts, right? This is, I think, only the second, maybe the third time we've seen them kind of say this. But it's obvious that he's a god. Maybe we should sacrifice to him. And Luke leaves it out here, but I'm sure Paul's like, I'm not a god. Don't don't sacrifice. Don't be weird, right? <laughs> maybe he's tired and cold. And he's like, just stop. Just stop. What I, what happens next? I love verse seven. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. 
He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Uh, that, in those days, was was very lethal. Doesn't mean that you're going to die, but uh, dysentery very often killed people in those days because it dehydrates you and you just you end up losing all ability to fight infection or anything else and you you die. Uh, continue on verse, uh, verse eight still. Paul went in to see him and after praying, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways. And when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies that we needed. This is amazing. There's this revival on the island, right? Everyone reaches land safely. And then they see Paul not harmed by a viper, right? This should kill him or at least cause his arm to like, I mean, when people get bit and they get a lot of venom, right? This snake did not bite Paul and then immediately retract. The snake latched on and was pumping enough venom into him so that when he held his hand up, the snake is hanging and dangling from his hand. This was not a quick bite. This is the kind of bite where, you know, I don't encourage you to look this up, but it's it's grotesque what happens to people's hands and arms, the, the amount of pain that they go through and the swelling and, and just, I mean, people's flesh will literally split open from the, the, the decay and just all of the issues with this kind of, of bite is bad. <clears throat> and they see this and nothing happens to him. I wonder if Paul carried the, the scar from the two bite marks the rest of his life where he could show people where the viper had bitten him. You know, I wonder if he was able to show that off or if that even healed up. <clears throat> um, and so they see this and then Paul heals this guy's father who, uh, I mean, an immediate healing from dysentery, right? This, is, this was something that was potentially lethal, and they knew that in those days. And he's immediately healed. And so when they hear about this, everyone who's sick comes. It, says, it didn't say that a bunch of the sick or most of the sick. It says the rest of the people who were sick on the island came and Paul prayed over them and they were healed. This is huge. This is absolutely phenomenal what's just happened here. I mean... This is a massive revival on this island. Luke doesn't say it, but but it's the implication here is that everybody gets saved. Everybody commits their life to Jesus. I'm guessing that the 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 Romans and all of the people on board the ship, everyone is getting saved from this. This is a massive a massive thing here. It truly is amazing. Verse 11. After three months, we put out to sea in a ship that had wintered in the island. It was an Alexandrian ship with the figurehead of the twin gods, Castor and Pollux. I think Luke is saying this uh, ironically here. I think he's telling us that the, the, the two things on the front, you know, normally you've got this goddess or something on writing on the front of the ship. <clears throat> and on, on this ship, it's Castor and Pollux. I think he's saying this ironically, right? I mean, such a massive revival, such a massive thing has happened here that they, <clears throat> after three months, they give not just Paul, but everyone on board, they supply everything they need for free. They give them everything and they're so happy that this boat has shipwrecked. It's changed their entire life. All of these people on, on this island of Malta. 
and they give them everything they need. And they board this Alexandrian ship. Alexandria, of course, is, is the port city um, on the, the northern coast of Egypt. So this ship is, is, uh, is there. And the, the gods, Castor and Pollux, <clears throat> again, I think he's saying this ironically. He's, he's kind of poking fun at the, the pagan deities. Castor and Pollux <clears throat> are the deities that you would pray to for fair winds. And the sailors would pray to them. Uh, supposedly, I think Pollux is like the son of Zeus and Castor was the son of demigod kind of thing or, or, or whatever, but they were the deities that you would pray to for fair winds. And, and so they just got off of this and now they're getting on this, this boat that has these pagan deities where you pray to for this, where, you know, it's, it's nonsense. I think that's what Luke's pointing out here is we've got this boat. It's nonsense. Paul's just healed all of these people. They were saved because of the God of the universe gave everyone's life to Paul. And now they're getting on this boat that is Castor and Pollux on the front. I think he thought it was funny. And that's why it's in there. Verse 12, we put in at Syracuse and stayed there three days. <clears throat> From there, we set, uh, set sail and arrived at Regium. The next day, the south wind came up, and following, and the following day, we reached Putioli. There, we found some brothers and sisters who invited us to spend a week with them. And so we came to Rome. So, so Luke is telling us they've, they're kind of traveling up the western coast of Italy until they, they come to Putioli, and they're going to travel uh, there by land. And so they actually find some believers and they, they spend a week and, you know, they got the guards and all the other prisoners. The believers are inviting all of them, all this big entourage that's heading to Rome, right? Julius and all of the guards, the, the, the Roman soldiers and all the inmates, they're all traveling together. And so the believers invite all of them and they all spend a week with these Christians. And so that tells me, Luke doesn't tell us, but I think he's hinting here is that all of these people are now Christians. Everyone with Paul has become a Christian. This has transformed everyone's life. Now they've been together for four or five months and, and these people's lives are transformed by what they've seen in Paul and his companions. And so, you know, they, they make it to Rome. Verse 15, the brothers and sisters there had heard that we were coming and they traveled as far as the form of Epius and the three taverns to meet us. <clears throat> At the sight of these people, Paul thanked God and was encouraged. So they're traveling to Rome. The Christians in Rome hear that Paul is coming and hear, you know, this is a big deal to them. So they actually travel quite a ways out of Rome to meet them. The form of Appius and the, and the three taverns. Three taverns was a place where three uh, Roman roads came together, where if you're leaving Rome, it splits into three roads to go to different parts of Italy. And there were apparently three taverns at this, <coughs> excuse me, at this, uh, at this fork in the road, uh, apparently very famous uh, ancient place. Uh, I've seen archeological videos on this as well. And so they come a long way to meet Paul. And when, when he sees this entourage of people coming, he's, he's really encouraged as anyone would be. This would be so cool that people hear I'm coming and they come to meet me. How amazing after all of the difficulty that Paul's been through the last several years. Verse 16, when we got to Rome, Paul was allowed to live by himself 
with a soldier to guard him. So we're going to find out in the next passage, he's going to live like this for two years, where essentially Paul is under house arrest. He's going to get to rent his own place. He's going to live by himself. He's not going to live in a dungeon. He He's going to live in his own place, and he's just got a guard that's there with him. And it's probably one of these guards that's given himself to Jesus. He's got a Christian guard. So essentially, his guard is now his disciple, right? Paul is probably, and I mean, Luke doesn't tell us that. Luke doesn't tell us that. I'm just assuming that one of these guards that's been with him is now his guy. And so he's there with him. And so it would, I mean, how amazing how the Lord works, right? This is only the Lord can do this. Where now he's under house arrest with this guy who's his guard. But in in my opinion, almost certainly this guard is also Paul's disciple. Paul is teaching this guy. I mean, this is this is amazing how the Lord sets these kinds of things up. Right, this is this is incredible favor in the midst of difficult circumstances. This is incredible favor that the Lord has given to Paul. He can do the same for us today. He really can. He really can do the same for us today. Doesn't mean he he promises that he will, but he can and he does. Even to this day. And I'm sure each one of you has got stories about how the Lord has come through for you. It's good to remember those stories in the in the Bible and remember those stories in our own lives when the Lord is is supernaturally provided, supernaturally just set things in place. When we see his provision, we see him coming through for us. It's good to remember those things so that we have faith that God can do it in the future and in bigger and ever increasing ways. For the 10 week Bible study, I'm your host Darren Hibbs and I can't wait to see you next time. Hey, thanks for tuning into the 10-Week Bible Study Podcast. If you've enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a review for it on your podcast app of choice? It really helps other people find out about this podcast, and my heart is for people to fall in love with God's Word. Thank you.